before dawn, milk cows work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. that's right my name is scott adams you're listening to the scott adams show and i want to thank everybody for tuning in today and today i'm joined by leonor cavota hello leonor good morning scott so what a night what a night huh what 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 a night but unfortunately that red wave didn't happen i mean there was maybe a little bit of a trickle and the good news was in the sunshine state ron desantis uh what a victory a landslide Yeah. yeah so um you know, uh, there's a lot of uh, things we're going to be talking about today uh, in the in our takeaways from from uh, what happened. And I know that you all are very interested in hearing, um, you know, our spin on things. Um, and one of the things is that uh, when you think about there's there's a lot of winners and losers out of all this. And one of the one of the things is that uh, the winner uh, has got to be Ron De- DeSanta, right? Yes, yes. That's what they're calling him, DeSanta. Well, no, well, actually, um, uh, Dan DeSanta Flynn, Dan, Dan Flynn, who I work with at the American Spectator, is calling him DeSanta Claus. DeSanta Claus. So, so that's a better name than I guess uh, Ron DeSanctimonious. So, so much of a gift giver that uh, Florida turned out to be a great, great night for the red wave. Uh, the the so called red wave, right? Uh, Florida turned out to be a really great uh, a boost to picking up the house. It certainly wasn't someone like in Colorado, like Laura Boebert, who lost or who's losing and might very well lose. Uh, I don't think that result has been called yet. But uh, the other big winner was actually, uh, despite the fact that Lee Zeldin lost to Hochul, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, New York, uh, they had four seats, uh, a four-seat pickup mm-hmm. in Staten Island where they had a two-seat advantage. They picked up four seats somehow in Staten Island. They, they have four seats in Staten Island when I think the Democrats had an advantage of two instead there were four ahead instead of two behind or something like that. But uh, Staten Island uh, was uh, big for the red wave and the Republicans. But when you take a look at the 
you know, the whole wrangling going on between Trump and DeSantis, it was actually a pretty bad night for Donald Trump. It wasn't a great night at all for, for Donald Trump. Uh, the only person that uh, was endorsed by Trump that we could declare the winner is J.D. Vance, and he hated Trump. Right, and you know, it's interesting because uh, we met uh, J.D. Vance a few years ago when I was involved with uh, working with him for an event, and he kind of has changed and pivoted a number of times in terms of his relationship with Trump and Trump's relationship with him. So it's interesting, and again, we have to remember, this isn't a pickup. I mean, you know, uh, uh, J.D. Vance getting... You no, know, that's getting, just going along to get along. It's just Portman seat. You know, it's not anything. It's not anything new. It's I mean, people are enthusiastic because people like his story, but it doesn't change anything. Yeah, hillbilly elegy. The the, uh, tragedy, though, for Pennsylvania. What were they thinking in Pennsylvania? What are they thinking in Pennsylvania? I'm still flabbergasted by this. I cannot believe that John Fetterman won. I mean, this is just such an incredible shock. It's very, very. Hateful rhetoric too. I mean, his 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 winning speech, his acceptance speech, was all about I and we. He shows up uh, to vote for himself in uh, gym shorts and and some sort of uh, coat that you would see a twenty eight year old wear. He gave his acceptance speech in a sweatshirt. The guy looks like a <laughs> moron, and he can't string sentences together. He supports, he supports the most the most unspeakable things. He's he lied about fracking, and he supports uh, the release of prisoners, and he supports, you know, basically needle usage and crack yeah. crack yeah. usage and heroin usage, and you think about that state of Pennsylvania. You got to say, well, what what is going on there? They have a uh, a concert. They have a Republican led legislature, and yet they're still counting votes. That's the other thing. We got to get away from here. the The month long voting is ridiculous. Okay, it's riddled with, I think, fraud. And see, it's not so much fraud like. You take a look at the uh, polls. The polls aren't aren't fraud. The polls were showing dead heats. So there is a there is definitely something that we have to wake up to and smell the coffee. The polls were actually more accurate than in a lot of the Republican pundits were saying, unfortunately. Well, I mean, the, the reality is is that we're we're getting so hyped up and we're trying to put the square peg in the round hole. And we shouldn't be doing that. You know, this should be a wake-up call for our country. And we should do a lot more preemptive uh, preemptive aggression. I think we have to do a lot more preemptive aggression because we have allowed this nonsense to get way ahead of us. And the Democrats have a strategy to take over the world. They have a, a strategy to take over the country. They have a strategy to turn the United States into California, a one-party state. What do you get with a one-party state? You get you get uh, a banana republic. You get what you have in Venezuela. You get what you have elsewhere. The problem is, is that we are laughing at their agenda, whether it's cisgender, transgender storytelling, 
we're laughing at it, but we're not doing anything about it. And the courts don't seem to be protecting us the way they should. And, you know, the conservative, uh, the conservative leadership, you know, Trump has done a lot to rid some of the rhinos out of office. Take Liz Cheney, for example, or Toomey's out of office. Or, good news, it looks like Shabaka is going to win Alaska and Murkowski is going to be out. But you still have Susan Collins, and worse, you have a very corrupt Lindsey Graham, and you have what's happening in Arizona. I would dare say that Arizona shouldn't be this close, except I will say that when we were traveling out in L.A. Uh, about a, two months ago, yeah. um, when we came back, the only place, the only airport that was wearing masks and really virtue signaling and seemed like the farthest left we had been to. Hollywood wasn't as left. Beverly Hills wasn't as left. LAX wasn't as left. Charlotte wasn't as, as, as left. Um, we went to all these places, but the farthest left wing feel we had was at the Phoenix airport. And I'm going to say that uh, everybody was virtue signaling with their masks when there wasn't any mandate. Everybody's just wearing the mask like dummies. And I, it, it, it occurred to me then that this is, uh, you know, this is the byproduct of too many years of McCain. Too many years. I mean, because Arizona was a Barry Goldwater state. And then John McCain waltzes in with his liberal values because he, he was a liberal. He switched parties to fit in and win an election with all the money he married into with his wife. And so what happened was he married into money and he he basically um, ran on the only ticket that could you could win on. Like if I were to run in Arlington, we have this guy named Don Byer in District 8, yeah. right? So, you know, if I were to ever be a politician and run in Arlington, I probably would be a Democrat because there's no way you win as a Republican. And if I was running for mayor in Philadelphia, there's no way I would run as a Republican. I would try to beat the, le- the, the, the liberal primary. I would try to win in there because that's the only way you win. There's no chance. You could be the greatest person in the world and be a Republican and lose to a drunk like Jim Kenney in Philadelphia as mayor. And you could you could do the same thing with Don Beyer. Now, I don't know Don Beyer that well because we're kind of new to this area, the D.C. It's his fifth re-election. Yeah, but he's been here forever, forever and he wins 75% of the vote every single time. It doesn't matter who runs against him. It doesn't matter. So it's a very liberal, very you know well-educated, very affluent Arlington, Virginia, District 8. And, you know, people come in with their liberal ideas, their Ivy League education. But in any case, we can't have this, this one-party rule. But the thing that's going on in Arizona is that the Republican Party is just as much to blame as the shenanigans that were going on in Maricopa County. There was a lot of shenanigans, 20% of the vote. And Carrie Lake said it best. She was interviewed yesterday. 20% of the vote uh, in Maricopa was uh, 
was was twenty uh, percent of the machines were not working properly. Twenty percent in Maricopa, where they were going to have a big pickup on election day, where Republicans were embrace you know embracing election day voting, because they didn't trust the mail in balloting systems. They didn't trust the U.S. Post Office, which is rigged left, uh, media, bias left. They didn't trust the counters, which are behind closed doors. So they went and they you know, showed their ID, they showed up to vote, and they voted in Phoenix. And to be met with systems that don't work. But guess where they did work? They worked in liberal counties. Interesting. They worked in liberal districts where they had zero problems. And the other biggest problem about Arizona Guess who's the Secretary of State that's running the elections? Katie Hobbs. And it was so funny. Some of the journalists were even commenting about that. They were saying, well, you know, I should say that it is actually her job to run the election. So, you know, you, you think here you have a person. No, she was a, supposed to recuse herself. Uh, she well, she that, didn't. No, no, that's the, wasn't what yeah. I said. But but basically what she's basically doing, she, uh, she never recused herself. So technically she was running something in which she was a candidate. Yeah. I mean, that's completely inappropriate. Why was this called out ages ago if this election was a court proceeding yeah it would be one on appeal yeah but we don't have appeal we don't have appeal yeah. exactly and um so as it still is uh carrie lake could still win uh blake masters could still win in in uh arizona i think uh what's the percentage it's it's what is that percentage? It's which one are we talking about? Arizona. In Arizona, yeah, I think it's. I think last I checked, they were still in. They were less like than seventy percent. Less than yeah. I thought. I saw sixty-eight. But, Sixty yeah, something. Yeah. yeah, a little less than seventy percent. In so, you know, who knows what's going to happen in Arizona? But I will say this: the biggest person to blame for Arizona is Mitch McConnell, cocaine yeah. Mitch, cocaine Mitch, and I heard it said somewhere else too that. Rand Paul and a lot of other senators that you know and love really are culpable as well because they saw this fraud happening and they did nothing about yeah. it. You know, cocaine Mitch can't be the only na- sayer. Blake Masters said unequivocally that Mitch McConnell pulled funding or endorsed Murkowski and pulled funding from Blake Masters because he was <clears throat> aligned with Donald Trump. So you still have the Republican establishment with an anti-Trump posture. That being said, um, that would have been the case also with Ron DeSantis. Now, the interesting thing about Florida is that both Marco Rubio and Ron DeSantis had great nights, even in Dade County. Yeah. Right? And Ron DeSantis's coattails were great, whereas Mastriano, uh, his coattails weren't great at all. And that's why Oz felt fetter- Fetterman. But I think in Florida, a lot of what happened was people were supportive, <coughs> both, um, you know, in addition to the Republicans, independents and a segment of the Democrats because of those stances that uh, DeSantis had taken on keeping the state open and the way he handled the whole uh, cr- uh, cr- uh, critical race theory and the whole yeah. uh, uh, the whole Disney situation and with the teaching par- sex education. Uh, parents st- uh, showed that. Parents stood up for their kids first. And you compare that 
that to Christy Nome, who had a big night. Yeah. She won. Um, Christy Nome uh, di- didn't fare so well with the trans thing. You know, she dropped the ball on a lot of these issues. And that's why, you know, when you do that compare and contrast of very appealing uh, candidates for the Republican side, Ron DeSantis is a rock star. Now, that being said, you have to now think about uh, the party going forward. It was a big night for Ron DeSantis. It sure was. But all he had to do was win Florida. Yeah. Uh, Donald Trump had to win in all these other other states, right? Like Arizona, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Wisconsin, Michigan. He He had to spread himself thin. You know, we thought that we were going to have, um, with Baldock, we thought we were going to have a surprise victory in New Hampshire. Yeah. And that was a problem. Again, he was a Trump Trump candidate who lost. Chewbacca was more of a Trump candidate, and she beat Murkowski, but Murkowski was a lousy candidate and doesn't deserve that seat in Alaska, especially when you talk about Amwar and oil drilling and stuff like that. So there's a different economic uh, thing going on there. But... Arizona is a real problem. I think it stems from McCain and the years of decay that McCain led Arizona to a very liberal place. I think that's one part of it. McCain's uh, whole um, legacy was hating Trump. I mean, not his whole legacy. That sounds ridiculous. But, I mean, his whole recent memory legacy was basically... You know, what what he's remembered for in his last few years is how do we get rid of Trump? Trump's the worst. When you think about the fact that John McCain's campaign manager is a Lincoln Project libtard, uh, Schmidt, uh, er, uh, not Eric Schmidt, but this other guy, Schmidt. Steve Schmidt. Steve Schmidt. Um, that was his campaign manager. And Sarah Palin suffered as a result of that liberal liberal view. They could have probably even beat Obama back in 2008 if it wasn't for the fact that they were running sort of as a cheap liberal instead Mm -hmm. of a solid supercharged Republican. And I think Sarah Palin had the chops to do some great things, but she was put in the box uh, back in the day. That was her prime. And uh, I thought it was an opportunity when they picked her. But uh, McCain ruined Arizona. I think he is the sole person to blame. He took it from Barry Goldwater, Ruby Red, to a very, very liberal place. And Meghan McCain can say anything she wants, but she is uh, her her family legacy is to blame for what's going on in Arizona right now. And you know it's going to take a lot of work to pull that state back from the grips of hell, which is the Liberal Party, mm-hmm. and. Uh, this liberal agenda. We have a few clips that we're going to play and we're going to comment on them. And uh, one of which is this. If you listen to the compare and contrast between Fetterman and J.D. Vance, say one thing about J.D. Vance, even though he supported Evan McMullen, who lost bigly to Mike Lee in Utah, um, Evan McMullen was supposed to be the spoiler for Trump. Uh, he was backed by Mitt Romney and he was supported aggressively by J.D. Vance at the time. J.D. Vance was a never-Trumper, hated Trump. and uh, But nevertheless, Trump saw him as the guy that could beat Tim Ryan, and Trump was right, and Trump endorsed J.D. Vance. But they weren't aligned, you know. Um, in every speech that Trump gave, 
J.D. Vance didn't like me at one point, but we get along okay now. That was kind of that thing. Um, so I wouldn't even say that that was a big victory for Trump. Um, but I would say, but but Trump did, definitely contributed to, to J.D. Vance. I don't think J.D. Vance would have made it out of the primary if if Trump endorsed one of the other candidates. But then the problem there is I don't think one of the other candidates could have beat Tim Ryan. So, you know, there's that. So... Um, Trump had a bad night. DeSantis had a great night. Arizona is still up for grabs. One other final thing before we get to some audio clips here is this. It's still not lost. This is still considered a great night. Now, it's not like the 54-seat pickup um, back in 2010 or the, you know, it's not like that. But we won back the House. Yeah. The Republicans won the House. And, yeah, so now you're going to have the these investigations that we all dreamed about, right? We're going to right the wrongs of J6. We're going to right the wrongs of Hunter Biden. We're going to right the wrongs of a lot of things. It's going to be a great night. You know, in 2018, they didn't win that many seats either. But they won enough to wreak havoc and hell on Donald Trump with these impeachment uh, BS uh, agendas. And we could do the same thing to Biden if we want. Two wrongs don't necessarily make it right. But when you think about it, although it feels like we lost, we still could take back the Senate. We still can. Because just because we lost Pennsylvania doesn't mean that Laxalt's going to lose. Laxalt's winning right now in Nevada. And I think that the predictions are he's probably going to win and beat Masto. And we're still waiting to hear about Ron Johnson. And Blake Masters. And Blake Masters. And with regard to Warnock and... Uh, yeah, well, uh, Ron Johnson's got a hold. Right. But it's Herschel Walker uh, is like a point behind... They're going to have a runoff. And when you take that independent out of that Senate race, um, you look at those votes that that independent candidate got. You know, but wh- why did the Republican Party... Why didn't they just buy that independent out? I don't know. I mean, they could have bought him out and had him endorse Herschel Walker. Yeah. And they didn't do it. They're not playing hardball. And everybody's saying that Hobbs uh, had a big impact on the Democrats um, having a not-so-bad night. Um, well, again, I said this several times. What we should have been doing is accusing them of infanticide. You know, I haven't heard one candidate say the word infanticide once. Nope. And when they say that when they say that they don't support any legislation that gets between a doctor and his patient, whether it's a woman or a man that's going to have that baby, which is like, okay, as ridiculous as that just sounds, uh, I just heard a candidate yesterday saying um, um, something about a pregnant person. I think it was uh, Whitmer who who won. Whitmer beat Tudor Dick. There is right? no such thing as a pregnant person. Yeah, but that's what that's it's what they did. It's a pregnant woman. That's, that's what the they only did. option. That, that's that's why I brought it up. But yeah. here's the thing: they they uh, they you know they uh, should have had they should have had a lot more support for Herschel Walker. And um, what was I talking about before that? I was. Forgot you. But. You were saying that it's not all lost that we're talking. Oh the yeah, Senate, that the Republicans can still take the Senate. Oh and yeah, that, yeah. Lo- and it's it looks very promising still. Yeah, because they have to win three of the four seats that are undecided right now, right? So, 
we lost we lost Oz, so we lost the seat because that was Toomey's seat. But uh, Pat Toomey was hardly, you know, he was not such a great Republican. No, he right? wasn't. You know, we are but, again another person that but, we have experienced. But it gets with. a lot worse with Fetterman. A, trust a, me. a lot worse. And and the problem here is I don't think Fetterman's going to finish his term. Well, that's what a lot of the concerns are. There, guess there's what? legitimate concerns about yeah, his health. But the problem is. Mastriano doesn't get to choose. It's Shapiro that gets right. to choose. Right. So that's, you know, who else are you going to get? But um, anything is better than Fetterman. And I don't believe that Pennsylvania is at the levels of Fetterman. It doesn't make any sense. And somehow what doesn't make sense seems to be like either there's MK Ultra going on and the Democrats are just retarded or... Or there's election rigging, but the election rigging is sort of defied by the polls. The polls were uh, dead heat. Yeah. Uh, and so then you got to make the argument, maybe you just need better candidates on the right. How do you lose to Fetterman? I don't understand this. And, you know, people say that the other candidate, um, that not, not Oz, the other Republican would have been the better candidate, um, McCormick. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I mean, yeah. And you're uh, probably right, but then again, so uh, Trump—that's again another black eye for Trump. And Trump endorsed Oz over McCormick. Yeah. And the problem there is Oz lost. Oz lost exactly. Oz did not energize the base. He was pro-choice. He yeah. was uh, on the wrong side of many issues when it came to Republicans. I don't quite understand that. McCormick was a businessman, right? Right. But he was a little bit waffly, too. But yeah. in any case, um, it doesn't make sense that Fetterman could win. I mean, we're going to have a clip where Ainsley Earhart cues it up perfectly. It's like, here's a guy that supports crack usage. Yep. Here's a guy that supports uh, releasing all the criminals from the yep. jail cells. And uh, he wants to abolish fracking, but then he lied about it. Um, and he's the guy that wins in Pennsylvania. Yeah, how does that how does that figure? This guy can't string sentences together. And so we're going to play this clip. We're going to start off with um, Betterman and JD Vance. Listen to the different tenor of the message. JD Vance wants to represent all people, and Fetterman, it's all about we, and we screwed them, and I. We jam them up. Yeah, we jam them up and we hurt them and, you know, all this stuff. So let's take a listen to these clips because um, they really do kind of paint the portrait. Here we go with uh, Fetterman and uh, J.D. Vance. Um, there's going to be a little commentary here, too, as well. It's like the Democrats have swept the top contested seats in Pennsylvania with John Fetterman projected to win over Dr. Mehmet Oz in what was a critical Senate race for Republicans. And Josh Shapiro defeating Doug Mastriano in the state's governor's race, turning the Keystone State blue. Here to react to the results, Pennsylvania-based columnist and reporter Selena Zito. Good morning to you, Selena. Good morning, Ainsley. Good morning. So what happened here? Do you think PA just ignored Fetterman's woke and radical positions? I mean, heroin injection sites, releasing convicted murderers, no fracking. He said a while ago, and now he's saying he's always been for fracking, no restrictions on abortion. What was the issue here? It's crazy. (laughs) 
Um, it's really, it's, it's astounding to see sort of everything that you just peeled off, and then you compare that with all the things that were most important to voters. And the decision the Pennsylvania voters made um, is, is sort of the opposite of what they said they were concerned about. And, and there's a couple things to unpack about Pennsylvania. Um, first of all, I think um, former President Trump's um, sort of interference in that primary in May um, uh, put a man, Dr. Oz, who, by the way, I will say ran a very good campaign and he overcame a lot for someone who was never in politics before, and he overcame a big deficit. However, he never had a true natural base here, a true natural connection with the state. And I think that Fetterman used that to his advantage. He pounded him with that, and it was enough for voters to not feel as comfortable with him had, uh, as they would have with Dave McCormick. I think running with um, Mastriano, who, was, who never ran a campaign that included creating coalitions to win uh, um, an election. And when you have those two drags on you, you tack on almost a million people voting before the debate, and it, he, it was just too much for him to overcome trying to win over voters in this state. Yeah, we're, we're learning that. Uh, we've, we've learned so much from this election because there are all the elections. Well, you know, but, okay, I'm, I'm a little, like, taken back by a little bit of that. Um, I agree with everything she just said. Mm-hmm. And I think her analysis was brilliant. That's why I played it. But I, the problem I have with it is is shame on the voters that need to be handheld so much. Like, oh, you know, like like you're almost walking on eggshells. Aren't these people the aren't these people that have a choice between Oz and Fetterman who supports, you know, heroin sites, uh injection sites? Uh, releasing all the criminals, ending fracking, hurting jobs, and is woke as can be. I mean, don't they understand that that's hurting the state of Pennsylvania? And then also, and, add I mean, to how, that, the how dumb do you have to be? To be do you really need your hand held that much? You know, this is where you kind of wonder about the results, because you look at this, not only has he, you know, all the positions that Fetterman has taken have been disastrous, um, you know, for for Pennsylvania, but then you add to that all of his missteps. I think we've gotten to the point where people are so woke that they're saying, oh, we got to vote for this candidate who uh, can't string a sentence together because he suffered a stroke, well, and and we, we, we can't act like we're being prejudiced against him. Again, it comes down to this is somebody who is an elected official you yeah. we have to have somebody who can steer the ship yeah. and here's the other problem is he's going to be a rubber stamp for joe biden yep and here's the pro- and that's that's a lot worse than toomey was and uh and here's the problem with it is a rubber stamp for joe biden look at the inflation Look at the foreign policy debacles in Afghanistan and uh-huh. Ukraine. Look at the billions of dollars. Look at the conflicts of interest with the Biden crime family investments in uh, electric uh, batter- vehicle batteries and uh, cobalt mining, right? The conflicts of interest there. I mean, th- when you have an endorsement for a guy like Fetterman, you're basically endorsing a guy like Joe Biden. Yeah. And... He has an approval rating that's really low, Joe Biden. Yeah. So it doesn't make any sense for Pennsylvania voters. The only thing I can think of 
Leonor, is I believe that one of the problems with this mail-in balloting, and there is a lot of Democrats that would never have been energized to go out to vote. There is a lot of Democrats that are not civic-minded. They're not waving the flag. They don't care about America. They, in fact, they hate America. They don't know the policies. They couldn't tell you who Thomas Jefferson is. They couldn't tell you our history. Maybe the critical race theory. or They don't, they don't oppose tr- cisgender, transgender storytelling because they were told to support it. And they do what they're told. What I'm saying is these people aren't voting. Like when you have a loser candidate, one of the biggest things in history, mm-hmm. uh, the history as a guide, would say these people aren't energized. The base, the Democrat base is not going to be energized to show up and vote. The reason why is because the, uh, the, we're in a recession. It's the economy stupid. Uh, the inflation's through the roof. Jobs numbers, the labor participation rate, still lower than pre-pandemic, despite the fact that we have three, uh, 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 many million more people. Uh, we got the open border issue. We got the foreign policy crisis, right? We're on the precipice yeah. of World War III. You can do more damage to this country than we have seen in the last two years. And... You would say, okay, well, that's going to be hard. A guy like Joe Biden, who can't even string sentences together himself, and a guy like Fetterman, who's brain damaged, that's not a recipe to turn people out to vote in Pennsylvania. So here's my answer to that. My answer to that, and this is probably the problem that's going on in every state in our country right now. The reason why we're seeing record turnouts is not because people are energized, not because Democrats are energized to go out and vote. It's because of this mail-in balloting and this ballot harvesting. Yeah, People are sitting on their duff saying, I'm not going to vote. I don't have time to vote, right? I don't have time to vote. I don't care about voting, whatever, right? So it's sort of like that. They're not, orient- they're not American-oriented. They don't mm-hmm. care about the country mm-hmm. enough to vote. Okay, but guess who does? The power structure. Yeah. The people that are running the elections are just doing it for the money, but they're representing the Democrat cause. Um, and the other uh, thing is, is that um, they're getting people to register, or they have these bots registering. They're sending out the ballots. Then the ballots are being picked up by the harvesters. And they're being dumped. And in fact, Pennsylvania said earlier this week, the Secretary of State said, you can bundle at nursing homes and you could take multiple ballots to the drop boxes. One person can do that. Now, that should be illegal, but it's not. They, they, they legalize that. And the, uh, you know, so that's getting, that's getting a maximum turnout. So it used to be an issue of turnout. Well, now they're getting near 90% turnout. And that and that's that's based on the registrations which are now being done online and they're probably being done online through bots and they're probably a lot of registrations are happening with with non-citizens mm-hmm. to boot. So it's 
it, it's the reason why we have so many close elections, because the registrations are all voting. But people aren't necessarily getting up and voting. They're getting their ballots picked up one way or the other. And they're being instructed as to how to vote, which used to be called electioneering. Let's take a listen to Kevin Cork and his his uh, Fox News presentation from this morning. You know, it's almost as if uh, they knew something was up before election night. You see, uh, Democrats here in Washington had quietly been reassuring each other that other than the so-called red wave to expect something a little less ominous. They thought it really wasn't coming. And it turns out it certainly didn't. And certainly didn't happen in Pennsylvania because there, John Fetterman, the man who struggled through his loan debate, somehow still managed to ride the wave of massive early voting and mail-in balloting to best Dr. Oz. We jammed them up. We held the line. I never expected that we were going to turn these red counties blue, but we did what we needed to do. That's why... I'll be the next U.S. Senator from Pennsylvania. Can't wait to do the voting autopsy on the Keystone State. So many questions. Meanwhile, over in Ohio, Janie Vance pulls off the win over Tim Ryan to claim a much-heralded Senate seat in the Buckeye State. Whether you voted for me or not, the thing that I promise to do is go to the United States Senate and fight every single day for the people of Ohio. Thanks to you, we get an opportunity to do just that. I will never forget the great people of Ohio. Thank you for this honor to serve you. I'll fight for you every day. God bless you guys, and thank you. Meanwhile, barring any major surprises on the House side, Republican Kevin McCarthy and the GOP certainly seem poised to usher Nancy Pelosi right out of the Speaker's office. When you wake up tomorrow, we will be in the majority and Nancy Pelosi will be in the minority. Well, he was wrong there. Yeah. Uh, it's still the morning and they don't have it yet. Not they don't only have that, it but yet, but it's Frank looking Lund- better for the Frank Republicans. Frank Luntz's friend and Carl Rove's buddy and Paul Ryan's buddy, Kevin McCarthy, has no business being Speaker of the House. Uh, not with the dismal performance uh, that 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 was on display last night you'd have to be really i mean you're snatching victory out of the jaws uh you know you're snatching uh, you're snatching defeat. defeat from the draw out of the exactly. jaws of victory. flip that um but like i say okay all things are not lost okay what were the two goals heading into the night well the, the goal was goals, to win back the house win back the senate and uh, you know and also pick up some governor pick seats. up some governor seats and and a lot and that and and so far it, we, it, all indicators are that the republicans are going to win back the house you know and it looks me? very encouraging about the senate i as can't well. believe that kansas has a liberal governor who won re-election yeah. you know what i didn't know until i, I mean this shows my uh, i was not aware of this do you know that vermont had a republican governor yeah and uh, one okay now here's another one about vermont was it no new no New Hampshire in New Hampshire Sununu Sununu also won big in New Hampshire and then Baldock didn't ride his coattails. Yeah. Can I make a so com- that was a split ticket? That People was- were, I don't understand in this climate 
why Republicans choose to vote split ticket. May I make one comment about one thing that made me happy last night? Yeah. You know what it is. Sarah Huckabee Sanders becoming the governor yeah. of Arkansas. I love the, the legacy that she's the, it's the first father-daughter uh, sequence. And I also love the fact that when she was press secretary under Donald Trump and how the stupid liberal media beat her up and now she's the governor of Arkansas or the governor-elect. Well, one I think thing that's I can't wonderful. stand is listening to the liberal press gloat. It's like it looks like it's going, and there isn't a gigantic red wave. There's more like a red ripple, you know. And they don't. <laughs> this might feel more like the edge of a lake, you know, with the just moving up an, an inch or two here and there. It just doesn't seem to have any sense of a wave. I think that big sound that you hear is Democrats having a big sigh of relief. Joe Biden is on the verge of being the most successful Democratic president. <laughs> In a midterm right. election that we have seen in quite some time. Joining us now. That's sad. That's because sad. he. Yeah, and that's where you have to say something is rigged. And here's the thing. My commentary on that is I don't believe it's so much that it's rigged. I don't believe that it's that rigged um, anymore. Because the polls were somewhat accurate. And the polls aren't rigged. Because you have conservative Pollsters like yeah. Trafalgar, right? So, and you have other pollsters other than Trafalgar. I just don't know all the names. But the thing is, is that the polls are somewhat accurate. Rasmussen, Trafalgar, they're not, there's no rigging going on with the polls. Yeah. You, you could agree with that, right, Leonardo? Yeah, that, no. The, the, the rigging mechanisms aren't yeah. there. Ballots aren't being dropped from planes uh, in the polls. Um, the poll machines aren't. Failing in the poll when when a pollster, you know, does a survey, um, you know, so none of that's really happening or in play. So what is it? And part of it is messaging, and uh, the Republicans are failing at the messaging. Yeah. But the second part is is the get out the vote uh, aspect of it has changed dynamically or dramatic dramatically uh, changed dramatically with this mail-in balloting. There's no reason why the next day, every single election now, we don't know who who is in charge. Yeah, France, they, they know it right away. Because oh, they did away with computer uh, machines, and they do paper balloting. Yeah. They close their election at the equivalent of their 8 p.m., and yeah. suddenly by 8.30, they're announcing their results. That's All incredible. Right. So here was the big night. This is Florida. Let's take a listen to Marco Rubio and... Uh, Ron DeSantis. No matter how many press conferences you give about the threat to democracy and all this other garbage, we are never going to abandon common sense. We have embraced freedom. We have maintained law and order. We have protected the rights of parents. We have respected our taxpayers. And we reject woke ideology. Florida is where woke goes to die. People have come here because our policies work. Leadership matters. And that was a victory speech for a, uh, a Republican that has a lot of momentum, Governor DeSantis. It was once the nation's primetime swing state, but massive GOP victories shifting Florida from purple to solid red. No one would deny it. Most striking was Miami-Dade County, a traditional Democratic stronghold with a high Latino population where DeSantis is the first GOP governor to win 
in now 20 years. Joining us now to discuss it in the heels of the very exciting night, another rising star. In the- yeah, that was a good analysis there, too, this guy gives, but um, nothing, nothing groundbreaking. Now let's take a listen to Arizona, this uh, analysis here. Awaiting results for Arizona's gubernatorial and Senate races, but election officials say they won't have all the votes counted until Friday. What is with Arizona? Kelly O'Grady joins us live from Phoenix with more. Hey, Kelly, we know there was a problem in Maricopa County. Is there other pro- are there other problems? Uh, You know, we're we're not hearing that right now. You know, there was that voting issue uh, in Maricopa County with the printers. um, But really, we're waking up to a a lack of clarity in what is now becoming really important when it comes to the Senate. I heard you mention that we won't really have clarity until Friday. That's because we don't expect uh, 95 to 90 percent of 99 percent of the votes to come in until then. I want to take a look at what's happening in the Senate race right now. So about 63 percent reporting Democratic incumbent Mark Kelly leading by roughly six points. Now, Kelly heavily won there in the early voting, but Masters has been closing that gap overnight as day of voting data trickles in. And we are seeing the batches skew heavily for the GOP, but with just about 100,000 votes separating them, it's unclear if Masters can make that up. On the governor's side, it's a lot tighter. Carrie Lake inching closer to opponent Katie Hobbs, just about 30,000 votes separating the two right now. And I do want to highlight that Lake has been winning the last few batches by about 70 to 80%. 80%. Now, one of the big storylines I mentioned off the top has been that voting issue. 27% of the counting machines in Maricopa County were down for a period yesterday. Now, officials identified the problem was with the printers. Uh, they were apparently not producing dark enough ink to properly mark and have those ballots counted. Nonetheless, uh, the RNC losing a last-minute suit against the county to keep the polls open an extra three hours last night. The judge didn't find evidence uh, that the issue impacted residents from voting. Now, the those voting snafus mean a lot of Maricopa County ballots are still outstanding, so they're going to start tabulating in a little bit, and we'll have more coming in uh, for you soon, Brian. All right. Uh- so it would have been nice, you know, considering that they cheated uh, Carrie Lake out of 27% of the yeah. machines to keep it open because of the anomaly, yeah. but they didn't do that. Yeah. It seems like, I just don't understand, you know, when every time the Democrats want something, whether it's a illegal ballot or an unsigned ballot or an undated ballot, they get that from the judge. But uh, when it comes to a real problem created by Katie Hobbs and her team, yep. um, because they're the ones responsible for it, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It's so rigged, man. It's just absolutely ridiculous. There was some really good analysis also that I wanted to play um, from a liberal uh out of uh, New York. And let's take a listen to this analysis. Former Nassau County Executive Laura Curran, as a Democrat, Laura, for you tonight, are you surprised the Democrats aren't, ex- aren't trying to explain a red wave because it never happened? It never happened, and I know a lot of Democrats were expecting this. I think we were all expecting this sort of cleansing thing to happen, and we're going to have some kind of answer about the direction of the country. And we just didn't get that. It was a mixed bag everywhere, a lot of close races, and kind of a big meh. And the main reason you believe is abortion? 
Yes, I think uh, we were talking about this before. I think uh, the fear of Trump and the fear of government overreach with abortion was a motivating factor for voters who might have been concerned about crime and the economy, but these two things kind of kept them from saying, oh, I think I'm going to go for the safe bet. Blake Masters currently still in a race, but he is a a Trump-backed candidate in Arizona. Uh, We know J.D. Vance was a Trump-backed candidate in Ohio, and he did win a substantial win. But Jason, you know who didn't win? Mastriano didn't win as governor's race in Pennsylvania. Uh, Yeah, well, you know, that analysis was actually pretty sharp, and I will say... That's the that's the appeal for DeSantis right now, yeah, because DeSantis won like a gang like a rock star, yeah, uh, and Trump didn't have such a great night. Uh, what the lady said there, she's a Democrat, but she said um, uh, Dobbs because I don't think the Republicans came out with the uh, push uh, accusation of infanticide properly the way they could have fought that fight. That's number one. Number two, um, the uh, the fear of Trump. Uh, and it's it's not real, meaning there's nothing wrong with Megan. There's nothing wrong with America first. And there's nothing wrong with the Trump agenda. Yeah. But it's because of all the propaganda and the and the, the spin and, you know, the the hot air. Right. Yeah. The bloviating that's become reality. Like there was really no need for impeachment. There was no Russian hope. I mean, it wasn't he wasn't colluding with Russia. It was Hillary Clinton that did. But. Because the mainstream media piled on so much, the the fumes of all of that make it look like Trump is somehow guilty of these things that he was never guilty of. But you got to say, too, though, that Trump had self-inflicted wounds. Why did he hire G- Gina Haspel? Why did he hire Bill Barr? Why did he hire Dan Coats as the ODNI? Why did he hire uh, Chris Ray? You know, I don't understand... Some of the decisions that were made there, you know, those are really bad hires. And um, here's more analysis from that uh, Miss Curran. Interesting in New York. Yeah. Five seats flipped. Uh, yeah. Republican. So Do you really believe that New York might night. deliver the House to for the Republicans? It could happen on Long Island. All four seats went Republican. There were two blue. Now there are four red. So uh, while the governor won, God bless, the go- governor Hochul won, she says God but bless the messaging, that national narrative about Democrats being terrible on crime and the economy and all of this smeared some very good Maloney moderate Democrats down. on Long Island, Robert big. Zimmerman and Laura Gillen. They were painted with this broad brush. They're not, you know, what you want to call crazy progressives. They're moderate, sensible, fiscally responsible Democrats, and they were swept out. And, and Lee Zeldin did say, you know him, uh, Lee- so here's the thing about that. So if you, unless you're radically left, you're not going to win. Right. So that's sort of interesting that, uh, you know, Carl Rove always said, go to the center, right? Yeah. And that's where you win. And that doesn't seem to be the landscape of politics today. We're no, very, it, very divided it, it doesn't. as a country. All right. I have a couple more clips. This is Lee Stefanik talking about New York still. And let's take a listen. Well, Steve, as we're looking at some of these races, we feel confident that we're going to win the House and we will fire Nancy Pelosi and there will be a Republican majority. And that's really important. That was my top priority as the House Republican Conference chair. And look, we're going to win the majority in New York state alone. Uh, If you look at the four seats we picked up on election night, uh, firing Sean Patrick Maloney, a Democrat in leadership. Mike Lawler, of course, won that seat in the lower Hudson Valley. We picked up two in the Hudson Valley, two on Long Island, uh, Anthony D'Esposito 
Hill, former NYPD officer, was a pickup. George Santos was also a pickup. Uh, and then we have races like the Connecticut race with our uh, amazing candidate, George Logan. We think that goes our way as well. So you can build the majority just out of our inroads in the Northeast. And there's positive news across this country. We elected more Republican women, uh, which that number is going to grow in the next Congress, which I have been uh, very focused on in recruiting and supporting those women. In Florida, we picked up four seats. Uh, and of course, our top of the ticket did very well. And we flipped Miami-Dade County, yeah. which is really, really important and shows the inroads we're making among, among Hispanics. So let's wait until these races are called, but we will win the majority, thanks to the American people. All right, so that's pretty positive. And one more, one more clip. We were all disappointed looking at the bigger picture. Okay, uh, so this is a Jewish guy that uh, supported Lee Zeldin, but let's take a listen. Uh, you know, what happened? We're yeah. supposed to be great victories all over the country. And part of the problem, uh, I don't think there's any question in my mind, that hurt Republicans all over, is Donald Trump. And I think, you know, I, I would say to the former president, who I supported and did great things during his term, I would say to him, move on. Move on. And when you, I mean, a couple of days before the election, he tells the country he has a major announcement. Donald Trump, it was not about you. It was about the candidates that were running and you took away from them. There's no question that he hurt candidates all over the country. And I would say to Donald Trump, on November 15th, you're going to make a major announcement. I would advise you, and I have great respect for you and things that you accomplished. I would advise you to announce to the country that DeSantis is the one that we should support so that we can win the White House in 2024. Donald Trump, you had your opportunity. You hurt your party that you love, your country, in this election. So, Donald Trump, move on. Wow, that's pretty bad. You know, and that's here's the thing. Compelling. Herschel Walker, one of Donald Trump's best friends, uh, is calling on DeSantis for the runoff. Yeah. If they get to a runoff, which I'm hoping that they do, uh, because Herschel Walker's point down, mm-hmm. but with the absence of the independent, Herschel Walker's poised to win that seat. Yes. Um, and if Ron DeSantis comes up to Georgia from Florida, uh, you know, and so Herschel Walker's wanting DeSantis to stump for him. Yeah. Not Trump. And Trump hasn't spent any time in Georgia. And so, you know, it's kind of an interesting thing. And Kemp won big, and Kemp and Trump hate each other. And Kemp, it just kind of gives you uh, also another sign that Georgia Republicans are more rhino-ish. Sort of like South Carolina, I guess. But in any case, um, that's it, man. I'm telling you... Well, we, can, I wanna, we, we can still take it back. Yeah, and I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Be sure to check out our gold partner uh, over at Genesis Gold, 1-800-385-4653. That's 1-800-385-GOLD. Be sure to check out Tactical Civics. Find out how you could take your country back locally, one county at a time, tacticalcivics.com. Also, when you go to mypillow.com and support Mike Lindell, uh, be sure to use Red State as your promo code and check out MAGAPAC.org. We are still pushing for MAGA and advancing the America First policy agenda. And with that, my name is Scott Adams. My name is Leonora Cravetta. And we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody. I'm from a small town in Tennessee, a long way from the suits in D.C. 
but close enough now to see this mess. Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper. They grab a shovel, dig the hole a little deeper, just to bury my kids right up to there. 